All right, I'm going to start a new series today, and I want you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be uh, beginning in verse 8. Uh, this, of course, is the chapter that we like to call the great faith chapter, the Faith Hall of Fame. It's the stories of all the great folks in the Bible that did all kinds of amazing things simply by trusting in God and obeying God and walking with God. And we're going to look at the one in, in verse 8, who's the father of faith. We're going to look at Abraham's testimony. And I'm going to tie that in in just a moment to what this means to be a happy camper. But let me just share personally. You know, having been a believer for almost all of my life, I, I was led to the Lord when I was just a little boy. I had the privilege, obviously, of growing up in a Christian family. Um, sometimes if you're raised in church, you can take a whole lot of things for granted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just think the life you were raised in, the scriptures you received, the worldview that was shaped is normal. But let me just tell you, it is not normal. It's delightfully unusual. And let me tell you why. I appreciate the fact that I know where I came from, I know who I am, I know where I'm going, and I know how my life fits in the larger context of God's story. How about you? Most people that are out in the world today, if you went up to them, they don't know Jesus from a hole in the ground, they've never had an encounter with Christ, they've never been raised uh, under a biblical worldview, if you say, well, where did you come from? They don't really know. If you say, well, who are you? What's your identity? They don't really know. If you ask them where they're headed... Where's their destiny? Where's this life taking you? They don't really have an answer for that. Which causes most people, and tell me if this is not the case, most people live for the now. They live under the kingdom of self. If I don't know where I came from, who I am, or where I'm going, then all I'm going to basically be concerned with is my own personal comfort now. So what's important to the typical American or the typical person really anywhere in the world? You want to have a good job because you want to have money, and you want to have lots of money because you like things, and you want to have money so you can have a nice house, and you can have a car. And basically, is not the goal of the most, most people in the world simply to inoculate themselves from any kind of personal discomfort or pain, and to live as comfortably as they can doing what they want to do until, oh, this is the part that gets to be hard, until they die which nobody likes to talk about, even at funerals. Um, We don't like to acknowledge the fact that our happy little world where we inoculate ourselves and try to get the biggest house, the nicest cars, the most money, the biggest retirement account, the best food, entertain ourselves, uh, whatever, live as long as we possibly can, try to get rid of the wrinkles, uh, buy a wig, whatever it is that you're doing to preserve your good life. At some point... You're going to die, and the whole kingdom's going to come crumbling down. And at that moment, you have no hope. That's why, you know, all this atheistic bravado, you know, mocking God, all this kind of stuff, I just laugh because at the end of the day, I just want to say, dude, you're going to die. What answer do you have? Please give me some encouragement. Tell me the good news about your bankrupt worldview that sounds so cool until you're dead. And then you have no hope because all that's going to happen when you die is you're going to start becoming food for worms. And maybe Dick Bastard or somebody will dig you up by accident and think you're a dinosaur. I don't know. But that's, <laughs> that's your hope in the world. Our worldview gives us something that's incredibly valuable. It's called perspective. It's called focus. It's called strategy. It's called knowing where you fit and what's the purpose of the context in which we live. How many of you know in everything in life, you have to ask, what's the context? Sometimes people pull scripture verses out. Well, what does this mean? Well, what's the context? You can talk about anything in life and you can pull anything and twist anything unless, it's, unless you understand context. Here's what I want to do for us in this series. I want to make sure that on your journey here on planet Earth, you have an understanding of context because perspective changes everything and it helps you to finish well and here's what it does most importantly it helps us to make sure that on the very short journey we have on this planet you and I don't waste our lives how many of you know wasting your life would be a terrible tragedy on the grand scheme of things I we don't want to stand before God someday and have him say what were you thinking Um, that would be bad We want them to say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. So let's take a look at Abraham. We're going to kick the series off with Abraham as an example of what I'm calling a happy camper. That'll make sense in just a moment. Let's start reading in verse 8. The Bible says here, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed. Everybody say obeyed. 
By faith, Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And the Bible says, amazingly, he went without knowing where he was going. Now, let me bring out a happy camper principle here. I'm going to pull some out of this text as we work through here. How many know the first thing we, have, we see in this, in this text is Abraham acknowledged that his life was not his own. And how many of you know you don't really understand context until you realize this world and this life is not about you, and it really isn't your life. It's really God's life expressed through you. It's really God's agenda expressed through your life. And one of the first steps in understanding context and perspective is when we relinquish rightful ownership of our lives. I mean, you know, Abraham was an idol worshiper, the Bible says. He was, he was as lost as could be. He didn't know God. He didn't have a relationship with God. But God intercepted Abraham. How many of you know every one of you in this room that's a lover of Jesus was intercepted by God? You had a God encounter. In fact, the Bible says Abraham was called by God. How many of you can remember back to that time in your life when you acknowledged your sin, when you realized you had made a mess of your life, when you realized you were a sinner and you needed Jesus Christ and you had an encounter with God? In other words, it was a God call on your life and and all of a sudden your life began to make sense. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you're born again, every one of you should be able to think about that moment because how many know when God calls, that is a life-changing, life-altering encounter that leaves you, uh, never leaves you the same way as it happened before the phone call, all right? When God calls you, he apprehends you. He intercepts you. And when God called Abraham, this was shocking. This was stunning. God began to reveal himself to Abraham, and Abraham began to respond. I want you to see how Abraham responded. Secondly, the call on Abraham's life involved a call to leave home. Now, this is where it gets to be interesting because, you know, Pastor Dick loves to, every time he preaches, something comes out of him about the word go. He talked about green light. How many of you know the Christian life is to be lived on the go? It's not a sedentary life. It's not a life where we hunker down. And how many of you know the tendency in all of us is to, we all want a place to call home. We all want a place where we're comfortable. We all want a place where we can put our roots down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In fact, none of these things, let me just say, none of these things are inherently evil or bad in and of themselves, but they're they're signs that we were called to a greater place that's home that really isn't right here. But we love our comforts. We love to say, that's my home. We love to go in. We love to sit in our living, you know, living room, kick our feet up. Home, 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 home. Isn't it interesting that when we're apprehended by God, many times one of the first things he does is he just upsets our comfortable life. And he calls us to do things that are unsettling. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When God intercepts Abraham, he, he says to him, look, You're going to go somewhere. You have to leave home to get it. But on the other side of your obedience and faith, there's an inheritance waiting for you. I don't know about you, but there are times when God will ask us to do things that make us very, very uncomfortable. In fact, I was chatting with Lori Alisea today. She was making a comment about something I posted on Facebook. It was basically uh, something like this, that that uh, miracles are often found on the other side of uncomfortableness or, or the, you know, in other words, God asks us to do something that makes us uncomfortable. Have any of you ever had the Lord speak to you and, and you're like, Lord, was that you? And he's asking you to go pray for someone or go talk to somebody or go witness to somebody and, you're, and, and maybe you balk and you don't do it. Well, guess what happened? Nothing. But guess what happened when you obeyed God? Something happened. A divine encounter. Maybe someone was healed. Maybe you led someone to Christ. How about financially? Sometimes God speaks to us and we're like, Lord, are you serious? And then there's silence. And what do we do? It's an invitation to join God in obedience and faith to watch him do something that would not have happened if you would not have got out of your comfort zone. How I many you know going across the street to your neighbor to meet them and to say hi and introduce yourself is getting out of our comfort zone for many of us? How I many of you know going across the world to some other nation, uh, like how about the folks in, in Cambodia right now that are there long-term planning a church? I mean, you know, that took a massive step of obedience and faith to trust God going to somewhere that is out of their comfort zone. But every time we're used by God, every time in this life, he's calling us to, to uproot and not to get too settled. In fact, I want to encourage you, if, you're, if even right now your main goal in life is I need to, we need to put roots down, we need to be settled, we need to get established, 
None of those things are bad in and of themselves until God's asking you to go do something like sell the house, give this away, go on that trip, take that money you had saved up for whatever, apply it to this. That's when we start getting uneasy. Is that not the case? And if you're a happy camper, you have to learn to live life on the go and you have to learn to travel lightly. In fact, take a look at Abraham's example again here. Third thing I want to point out is that after God uprooted him from everything that was natural and familiar and comfortable, his response was to step out in faith. The Bible says he didn't even know where God was leading him. Now, this is crazy because most of us were like, Lord, what's going to happen? Lord, where do I go? Lord, if I give this, then what are you going to do on the other side? And we just hear this silence because how many of you know if we know that God is faithful and he's trustworthy, we can step out and do what he asks us to do even though we don't have the information yet. How many of you dads had pulled this one when you're on a trip and your kids are sitting in the back and they're saying, Dad, Dad, where are we going? Dad, Dad, are we there yet? I pulled out one of these God card tricks at those moments. I say, look, I'm your loving earthly father. I've been driving now for a few years. I have GPS. I used to drive by faith, but now I have GPS. So I used to get lost somewhat sometimes, but now I have this little thing to tell me turn right in 100 feet or whatever. And now I get lost digitally instead of just lost in the natural. But you can trust me, and I will let you know when we arrive, and it's going to be good. Any of you ever go on vacation like that? It's going to be good. When we get there, it's going to be fun. Well, guess what? Your heavenly father does the same thing. He says, do this. And you're like, well, Lord, fill me in on the details. Silence. Why the silence? Because if you have a word from a good heavenly father, you can trust that he's going to take you where you need to go. And here's the important thing to remember. Your inheritance is on the other side of your obedience. And if you don't step out in faith, and if you don't obey God, and if you don't walk, even though sometimes you're walking in the dark, but you're trusting him, you'll never get to your inheritance. So Abraham represents a happy camper in the sense that he's willing to be loosely attached to wherever he was. He's, used, he's going to be mobile. He's going to follow God. He's going to go where the Lord tells him to go. And how many of you know the secret to a life of adventure is a life of risk? It's a life of following God. Some of you, if you're bored right now in your Christian life, I would encourage you to ask the Lord to give you an assignment that will challenge you and push you out of your comfort zone. How many of you know the Christian life should never be boring? It's a lot of things. It's not boring unless it's not lived right. It's not boring. It's an adventure. It's risk-taking. So let the Holy Spirit challenge you with what's the next thing God's wanting you to do. Now take a look at verse 9 as we keep pulling some principles out here because verse 9 gets into our identity as happy campers. It says, even when Abraham reached the land God promised him, check this out, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac, by the way, Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Look at verse 10. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Now take a look at this language. I want this to sink in. Abraham refers to himself as a foreigner, somebody who's living in a tent. Now, first of all, tents, the reason we're going to look at this metaphor of a tent is tents are built to be mobile. You'll never find a foundation under a tent. Nobody digs a hole and puts foundation stones before they put their tent there. The reason is this tent's not going to stay here very long. You're on a trail. You're on a journey. You're moving somewhere. You're going to have new sites to see. You're climbing a mountain. You're going to a mountain lake, whatever it is. You're camping. And so the whole point is you're living in a tent so you can be mobile, so you can be on the go. Abraham was a wealthy man. Abraham was rich. But the Bible says when he moved into the land to inherit his promise, he didn't spend his time, and please don't hear me, I'm not primarily talking about money or houses right now, I'm talking about a perspective. He had a perspective of a stranger and a foreigner, which meant I'm not going to put roots down here because I have my eyes set on something, or my eyes set rather, on something bigger and better. He called himself a foreigner. The reason I love going on missions trips is I like being out of my comfort zone, even if it's just for a short time. Any of you that have been out of the country know if you're eating strange food, it's weird. There's strange noises. There's strange, there's strange language. There's strange words. In fact, one of the biggest laughs of our trip, Brent asked Boggy, Pastor Boggy and Nasa to imitate what, a, what a people speaking English sound like. 
And they made some, you know, they were like, and they made some really weird noise. And then Pastor Boggy said to Brent, what do we sound like? This was the highlight of the trip. Because Brent mocked, did a mocking sound of Mongolian. And I cracked up because it was like he was speaking Mongolian. They cracked up. We had, we were like laughing our guts out. It was awesome. But it was weird because we don't know what they're saying. And most of the time they don't know what we're saying. We went to this gas station. It was awesome. Their gas stations are not like our gas stations. We get, we walk in, we can buy a nice wrapped stick of beef jerky. All right. It's been processed. Stuff's been killed in it. It's been wrapped and injected with stuff and put in plastic. It's safe. All right. At least we think it is. Who knows what they put in that stuff. But anyway, we walk in and there's this big tray of meat laying out in the open at the gas station. It looked like a pot roast, like laying right there at the gas station, like at the counter. You know, you buy breath mints and meat. And Mongolians love meat. And Brent says, Pastor Boggy, what is that? And don't anybody get offended. I'm quoting him. Pastor Boggy said, thus saith Pastor Boggy, it's horse butt. I took a look at that. Brent took a look at that. And then Pastor Boggy said, it's very good. <laughs> I ain't eating horse butt. I don't care what country I'm in, all right? I ain't eating horse butt. But he says it's very good. And then we also find out when they're little, they don't have like nerd candy, you know, uh, what are the other little, you know, Skittles. They pick up ants. And ants on their butts, here there's a butt word again, have a sweet substance that they lick. Folks, I'm not making this stuff up. I said, you lick ant bottoms? He says, it's very sweet. I ain't licking an ant's bottom, all right? I'm just telling you. And then they said this. If you get an ant that's not sweet, somebody beat you to it. <laughs> bag of nerds for my kids and they're running around looking for ants. Come on. Why am I saying this? I don't know. Let me figure out why. No, I remember. We need to let this sink into our brains. You and I, from a biblical perspective on planet earth, are foreigners. How many of you figured out the light? You watch the evening news and it's like you're watching somebody from another planet. Anybody have this... I'm watching things getting argued and passed into law and all kinds of perversion stuff that I'm looking at, what planet are these people from? I'm trying to live with a biblical worldview in a place that doesn't share my worldview, and I feel like a foreigner. There's been times I wonder what, I don't even feel like I belong on planet Earth. How many of you know when you start feeling that way, you're starting to feel normal? Pastor, why are you saying that? Because this isn't home yet. We're living in a place where there's views that don't line up with Scripture. There's perspectives that aren't godly perspectives. Uh, where there's cultural things that aren't in line with the, with the kingdom of God. There's ways people do things in this planet, all around this planet, um, that's just not the way the kingdom of God operates. You should feel like a person living in a foreign land. Now, I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about not being an American or not being patriotic. Next, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate uh, our nation. Pray for our nation. We love our nation. I'm as patriotic as anybody, but I'll tell you what. There have been many, many times I wonder, what, where in the world am I from? Because I don't feel like, I, like I'm home. Another passage, in fact, look, look, let's look down to the next verse. He gives a couple more adjectives here. Look at verse 13 with me. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They didn't receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance, and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads. In fact, another translation says they were sojourners and refugees. I want you to think of the word refugee with me. God's word says if you're in Christ Jesus, you're a refugee on planet Earth. What's a refugee? Well, look at what's happening in Syria right now. All the people that are having to flee the country for their lives. 
If you could imagine a a hostile invading army coming in, burning down churches, destroying homes, uh, killing families, torturing people, and you literally uh, race out of your nation with nothing but your life. You're a refugee. And wherever you land, wherever you go, you never call it home because it's not where you came from. But yet you can't go back to where you came from because where you came from is no longer home either because it's been destroyed. Does anybody have a feeling or can you put yourself into the perspective of somebody that has nowhere on the planet to actually call home. That's a refugee, and the Bible says you and I are refugees right now. My message about being a happy camper is this. Don't get too settled here. Don't spend your time focusing on getting comfortable here and now because you're a refugee. There's always going to be an aching and a longing in your heart for your real home, for the place you were called to be, for the, for the place where God's bringing us, for the place God is preparing for us. And so there should be a sense of culture shock. There should be a sense of homesickness that's in our hearts because the Bible says that we're looking forward to something. In fact, look, look at verse 10 with me, Abraham's perspective here. He says, Abraham was confident looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Now, there are many, many people who get stuck in the past. They're constantly looking back at the mistakes of the past, the disappointments of the past, the things that they did wrong, the relationship, maybe a broken relationship from the past, and they're stuck in the past. There are other people who, maybe you're here this morning and you came weighted down with all kinds of stuff going on in your life. There might be financial stresses, marital stresses, stress with your kids. I don't know what it is that's got you weighted down, but the point is you're mired in the present. How do happy campers live? Well, look what Abraham says. I love this phrase. It exploded in my heart this week. He was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Confidently looking forward. Why am I saying this? Because I'm telling you, this life will give you so many opportunities to be looking in your rearview mirror, living with regret, digging up, as Pastor Dick alluded to, digging up things from the past. Don't live in the past. Don't live in the rearview mirror. How do happy campers live? How do people on a journey live? How do people with perspective live? Here's how they live. Confidently looking forward. Say it with me. Confidently looking forward. Let's say that again. Confidently looking forward. The tendency of the enemy is to get us turning around or staring at our present mess. Keep your eyes on the God who gives us promises that cause us in faith and obedience to look forward and to keep moving towards God. Some of you, I've talked with you, you know, you hear testimonies about God's financial breakthrough in the lives of others. You're saying, you know, pastor, uh, what about mine? I don't have the answer to that except for this. Keep confidently looking forward to God who has promised all these things for you and I. Some of you are waiting in between the the promise and the answer. What do you do? Don't you dare lose hope. Don't you dare look down at the mire and the muck. Don't look at your problem. Don't look at your past. Confidently look forward to what God has for you. This is a key to living with a happy heart to be camping instead of planting roots down in the middle of your mess. Keep moving. Keep moving your heart toward God. Keep moving in faith. Keep responding to the voice of the Lord. Keep going forward. Look at verse 14. It says much of the same thing. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward. There it is again. Looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But here it is again. They were looking for a better place. Everybody say better place. A heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let me touch on this for just a little bit. One thing I don't want to come across this morning is somehow suggesting that the blessings of God are not for our enjoyment. If you have a nice house, praise the Lord. I'm not for saying you have to live in a tent on the, in a field somewhere. That's not what this message is about. It's about perspective. If you've been blessed, you got a nice vehicle, praise God. Uh, nice vehicles are great. Praise the Lord. If you've got material things, hallelujah. Uh, I'm not criticizing any of that. This is what I'm saying. Our focus should not be on any of those things. Our focus is on what lies ahead. 
me just say this. If you're, if you're somebody uh, like most believers in the world, in fact, the Bible talks about it in Hebrews 11, there were some Christians that lost everything for the sake of following Jesus. I just want to ask you a question this morning. If, if you leave the service today and you find out by some strange set of circumstances that your house burned down uh, and everything's gone, or the stock market crashes and now your retirement fund is gone, or something else happens in your life which represents a loss. What's your response? Are you a camper? Are you living in a temporary dwelling and you're moving somewhere? Or are you crushed because everything that you invested all your life and your time and your energy in is gone? See, it's perspective. Everything that we get that's from the hand of God is meant for our enjoyment. You know what? I praise God for my wife. I don't worship my wife. My life would not end if my wife's life ended. She's not my God, but I'm so grateful for my wife. And there's times when I feel in my heart such an overwhelming sense of gratitude toward God for blessing me with her. You understand how this works? My gratitude flows through my wife to the Lord because he's the one who gave her to me. After church today, we'll probably enjoy some great food. Praise God. God doesn't want us to eat cruddy food just because we're humble. God doesn't want you to eat horse butt just because, you know, he's trying to punish you. <laughs> but you know what? If you eat food, here, here's the, you know why God gave you taste buds? So you could taste and say, Lord, thank you for the incredible blessing of the food that you provide for us. You know, we're coming home from Wisconsin last night. My son had a tournament up there by this constant Dells. What a beautiful piece of God's planet. Amen? We were looking at some, you know, fields and streams and rivers and rock formations. And I looked out there, and I'll tell you, this, this, this is how I'm developing my perspective. You know what? I'd really like to pull off right now and just go sit by that lake and chill out. But, you know, I, I have to be places. There's responsibility. Anybody have that feeling? You know, if I only had more money, we would stay out here for, we'd, we'd camp out, we'd take the tent, we'd stay here for a week, and we just, enjoy. but you know what, we got to get back. Right. But this is a thought that goes through my mind. This whole planet is my dad's. And I don't live my life to see how many places I can go on vacation to and visit, because sometimes that's just not a reality, or it's not what God would have me to do. But here's what I do. I say, you know what? As I'm driving by the beautiful Wisconsin River, I'm going to come back and check you out someday on the new earth when Jesus returns and it's glorified and he's reigning here and the whole planet has been completely redeemed. I'm going to go hang out there for a little bit, maybe a long time, maybe take some of you along um, because here's the deal. I'm waiting for a better place. This is not it. This is not my home. I'm a refugee. I'm a stranger. This is not where I find my final sense of home or satisfaction or blessing. Here's the key. I'm passing through. I'm passing through. And I wonder sometimes as American Christians if we don't get stuck a little bit thinking that somehow we're trying to build our happiness, success, future, legacy, whatever, when God said from the very beginning, if you're moving in faith and you're responding to my call, I want you to be light on your feet and I want you to be able to move. I want you to choose one of those in your heart. Live as a camper, a happy camper, but live as a camper because you're not home yet. Isn't it interesting when, the God, when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? What did they do for the next 40 years? I believe that was a picture of our journey of life on earth. They were moving in the wilderness, and all they had was God's presence to lead them and guide them, and God cared for them, but they lived in tents, and they lived moving from one place to the next to the next, trusting on God to provide for them every step of the way. Somebody say, well, that was a picture of their disobedience and rebellion. Well, that's probably part of it, but you know what it's also a picture of? It's a picture of the way we're supposed to live. God being our burning fire by night, our cloud by day. God's presence in the center of his people. God leading them, them picking up and following. And every time they wanted to, to go back to Egypt, go back to the place of security, go back to what we know, that, that's that tendency that we have to put our eggs in the wrong basket, to look for home when it's not home yet. And so the big idea of today's message is simply this. We're living in a tent world and the life we live this side of eternity is a tent life. It's not meant to be big and deep and awesome. It's meant to, to provide and to lead you and guide you. And if God blesses you with things, great. Hold on to them loosely. 
He might ask you to give them away. He might ask you to sell it all. He might ask you to go do something that's completely out of your comfort zone. Let me give you very quickly here a couple of tent life truths that I have. Tent life truths because we're living in a tent life. First tent life truth is simply this. Your, your life is temporary. It's not permanent. You're here for an appointed time. You're here for an incredibly small, limited time, which is why I just, you know, I share this truth with any folks in this room that have lost a child, miscarriage, whatever, painful as that is. Listen to me. In the scope of eternity, this is what the words, this, this, is, this is Psalm 90, verse 12. This is Moses speaking. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Look at James 4.14. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. Here's my point. If you live one year or you live 90 years, let me ask you this question. If you're doing a graph in light of eternity, how big is that space? The space between living a week or an hour and living 100 years is like a dot compared to eternity. Your life is a vapor. Hold on to your life gently. Realize you're here for an appointed time. You're not here that long. If you're not here that long, it changes the way you live. You're not focusing on, you know, trying to get rid of your wrinkles. You're not focusing on buying a wig. You're not focusing on trying to keep it all together and you make an idol out of your body or out of youthfulness. These, these are all vain attempts to hold on to something that the Bible says is a fog that's vaporizing. It's going to be gone when the sun rises. It's gone. I'm not saying working out or anything. Saying I, try, I try to take care of my temple. I hope you are too as a steward. But listen, I don't worship it. If God forbid something happens to this gorgeous face of mine, maybe I get a pimple. It's not taking me out. I'm going to tell you something else that's radical. If my sons are playing catch in the front yard after I've told them about 100 times, play in the field, there's 19 acres. But no, they like the front yard. And they throw the ball over the other son's head and it goes off the side of my van. I'm telling you this from experience. It's not the end of the world that my van has a dent. Because you know what? It's a stupid van. Every time I walk in my backyard, I see what used to be brand new siding. And then Uncle Brent came over and did our 4th of July fireworks show. And something he lit on fire fell on his side and started shooting at my house and put a big black hole in the back of my siding. Now, I could have been, I could have been a party pooper. But you know what? It's siding. And here's the truth. When I walk by and I look at that hole in the side of my siding with the black burn mark around it, my heart gets full of joy. I'm, I'm not kidding you. You know why? Because there's more memories associated with Dr. Brent blowing things up in my backyard. Number one, I'm grateful that I'm alive to tell you this. And number two, that imperfection in my sighting reminds me that people matter and fun matters and memories matter. And they're more important than my sighting. I have one more true confession. When my precious mother and father-in-law moved in with us, and they brought their brand new car and parked it in our driveway. They expressed to me that if I could please tell the kids to be careful not to ride their bikes by the car. <laughs> you know, I had a new car once. <laughs> and the first thing I did was I gave my kids sharp, hard objects and I said, go ahead, get it out of your system. Because I know it's going to happen sooner or later. Just take a hammer and hit, this, hit the side of the car and get it over with. Because how many of you know, no matter how much I encourage the kids, watch that scooter. I went out one day and there on the door by the driver's side was a mark of childhood extravaganza. <laughs> I don't know what they call it. But guess what? Cars will be dented because cars were not made to live forever. Let me tell you something else. These bodies, the Bible calls tents. You know that? Your, Bible, your body is called a tent. Guess what happens to the best of tents? You're just camping away and camping away and camping away, and eventually that tent is going to fall apart. 
You know, my, both of Marion's parents and my parents are knocking on the 80 door or in their 80s. I, they can assure, assuredly tell you that their body at age 80, that the tent at 80 cannot perform as it could at age 20. Your tent is getting older. What's the secret? I'm talking to some of you now that need to hear this. What's the secret as we age to staying happy? Can I tell you what the secret is? It's not looking at what your body can no longer do. It's not looking in the mirror and going, how did that happen? It's not taking duct tape and pulling your face back out. Guys, it's not taking duct tape and pulling your chest out of your drawers, all right? Um, you know what it is? It's, it's confidently looking forward to the day coming very soon when I'm getting a new tent, and it's going to be awesome. I'm going to be spectacular. Andy, you're going to look at me and go, Pastor Ron, is that you? And I'm going to say, yeah, Andy, it is. And you look pretty good, by the way, yourself, all right? Let's race, and I'll be able to run without falling over and dying of a heart attack. But anyway, all this stuff is coming. Can you see it? I just want to ask you, can you see it? Are you excited about it? You know, this life, every, every, every season you go through is like a new tent, when I became grandpa, I got the new label, grandpa. So to say, oh, that's awesome. Well, partially. On the inside, I'm just being honest with you. I feel like I'm about 20. You may know what I'm talking about. I'm not a grandpa. <laughs> and then my kids say, hey, grandpa, there's papa. Hey, there's papa. I'm a stinking grandpa. Whether I like it or not, I just, and let me just tell you, I like it. But there's part of it, how many of you know anybody that stepped on that role? You're like, I feel like I'm a kid and I'm a grandpa. Guess what? Your whole life is going from one tent to the next tent to the next tent. Is this not the truth? Everything about your life is transitioning from one season to the next season to the next season. Or you say, man, I got money, and then you got pregnant. Whoa, baby, money. Or guess what? You just moved into a new tent, a new tent in a relationship, a physical challenge, a relational challenge. It's a new tent. Your whole life is moving from one place to the next place to the next place. And as soon as you get comfortable and you feel like you got it all figured out, God says, no, pick up the tent. We're moving on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is the truth. Here's my point. Why do we fight all this stuff? Some people say, oh my gosh, look at, oh, look at the wrinkles. Oh, just deal with it. Be a camper. You're moving on. What awaits you is glorious. Oh man, I wish I had more money for this or that. Wish all you want. Just be happy and content where you are now. You're moving from tent to tent to tent. Abraham had bucks and he lived in a tent by choice. It was a perspective. He said he was moving somewhere to a city that God laid the foundations, uh, not made by human hands. And God said he honored Abraham for his faith. See, what I'm just telling you is let's live our lives loose, with, with, with our hands loose. Let's live lightly. In fact, let me just give you three things to end with. I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to lay them out here. Takeaways, and we're going to close in prayer. Live like a camper. Here's something I saw about campers. They said, when you're at a campsite, take only photos and leave only footprints. I thought that was great spiritual advice. You know what? We're going through this life. Here's what I want. I want as many memories as I can get of, of loving people and loving Jesus. How about you? I want as many memories as I can have. Relationships, experiences with people, loving God. And I want to leave as many footprints on planet earth, footprints of dominion for the glory of God, footprints taking me places for the glory of God, loving people, impacting people. I want to live like a camper. I want to travel lightly, point number two. How many of you know when you go camping, you don't take your valuable jewelry, you don't, you don't pack up a U-Haul behind your tent, you take what's only necessary. And I want to encourage you today. Man, if you're trying to drag around a bunch of things that are burdening you, you know, some people are like, I got to work, I got to work, I got I to gotta get my retirement ready. Really? I have that thought every now and then I realize, 
I am going to have to trust God till the very day that I die. But you know what? The great people in life have had to do that. And guess what? God is faithful. So I'm not going to worry about retirement and let it burden me. I'm going to live like a camper. Now, don't hear me. I'm not saying don't provide for a rainy day. I'm saying don't let the cares of these things rob you of your journey. Live light. Live with your hands wide open. Don't try lugging all these things behind you like material things are like you're going to take them with you. And lastly here, enjoy the journey. I love this great quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, our father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant inns, pleasant places to stay, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. You know what? If God's blessed you with a great house, praise the Lord. If you're able to take a nice vacation, enjoy this beautiful planet Earth that God's created, enjoy it. That's not what I'm saying, but here's the point. Don't mistake your current location or your future destination for your ultimate destination. God never intended the blessings of this life to distract you from the greatness of the glory that is to come. Let me, I just got to say this quickly. You're not going to be a disembodied spirit with wings floating in the clouds playing a harp. That is not heaven. Heaven is a restored planet earth with Jesus reigning as king where you will reign with him forever and ever. The entire cosmos is your inheritance. You're going to have a body that's going to be healthy. You're going to be able to do things that are amazing. You're going to be able to create. You're going to be able to use the gifts that God's given you. There will be no sin. There will be no heartache. There will be no separation. There will be nothing that would cause us to, to have anything but absolute joy and pleasure forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That's your inheritance. Live like a camper now. Don't get distracted with the things the world gets distracted with. Know where you fit in the context of God's bigger story. Make lots of memories. Leave only footprints because the best is yet to come. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. I have this feeling that we don't live adventurous, daring lives now because we're not really sure we believe that. We're not really sure that the best is yet to come. We're not really sure that the most satisfying is yet to come. We're not really sure that we believe that we're really strangers or foreigners or refugees here at planet Earth. And that so we should be living light, living, living lean, and being on the move for God. I just want to encourage you, reevaluate your perspective this morning. Are you camping or are you trying to build something lasting here where nothing is built that's lasting here? Are you, are you moving towards God's purposes with your life aggressively or are you trying to build the American dream? Have you, have you given your life fully to Christ and are you at his disposal or are you still trying to build your kingdom and just asking God to bless you and bless what you're doing instead of saying, God, take my life and make it count for something that's awesome. You're a vapor. Your life is, teenagers, listen to me, you're a vapor. What you do here and now, man, think about that. Think about what it is, God. Wouldn't it be great if we come back to the Lord in a fresh way and just say, God, I don't want to waste the life you've given me. I don't want to waste the calling on my life. Lord, make my life count. Make my life count. God, speak to me. I'm I'm here. Here I am. Send me. What do you want me to do? God, use me for your glory. Wouldn't it be great if we really, really honed in on that? And all the other stuff just faded out of the sight because you know what? At the end of the day, it's just not that important. Yes, God wants us to provide. Yes, God wants us to have stuff. Yes, none of that's bad. I'm just saying shift your perspective to where you're camping. Travel light. Enjoy the journey. Love people. Love God because where you're going is stunningly awesome. And sometimes the secret to living with a happy heart now without a heavy heart like Pastor Dick challenged us. The secret to not having a heavy heart now is to set your focus on what is to come. You know, for mom and dad, I was talking with dad the other day, just some of the challenges he's going through. The only thing that gives a human being who's dealing with some physical challenges hope is this. All this is going to be absolutely supersized, new and improved forever in a very short amount of time. Let me just ask you this question. If you were dealing with the most, you know, horrible physical ailment, you lived in agony, what would give you any kind of sense of hope? You know why the world pushes for euthanasia and killing people? 
taking them out of their pain, giving them quality of life. You know why the world does that? Because they have no answers for the challenges that face us. But every single believer, no matter what difficult, trying circumstance we would ever have to face this side of eternity, we all have absolute surety and hope and knowing that no matter what this life is like, no matter what we have to go through this side of eternity, it is nothing compared to the glory and joy that awaits us. I'm telling you, some people say, you, you, you Christians are of no earthly good because your, your, your heads are in the heavens. That's an absolute lie. As soon as you get your head in the heavens and you start realizing who you are and what God has called you to and what your future looks like, you'll never be able to live a radical carefree, Jesus-loving, people-loving existence here because you're going to be focused on all the stuff everybody else is focused on. But you get your eyes on what lies ahead. And I tell you, it makes the disappointments of the past, the hurts, the challenges of the present, the, I wish I had more of this, the limitations, all the things that you're dealing with now, they vaporize when you have a vision of who you are and what is laying ahead of you. I don't think we preach about heaven enough. I don't think we preach about the joys to come. I don't think we preach about the reality of pleasure, the pleasures you were meant to enjoy. God created pleasure. We settle for cheap substitutes because we cannot see what God has in store for us. The older I get, the more I love heaven. Not flying in the sky with wings and harps heaven, not that heaven but a rock-solid, glorified, physical uh, body in the presence of King Jesus who will be here with us on a planet that is absolutely, stunningly beautiful. That gets me excited. I read about a godly saint in the past who who, uh, had some physical challenges. He was a godly preacher. You can still read his stuff today. Richard Baxter, amazing Puritan man. He had gone through some dramatic healing in his body. He believed that God healed. But he was sharing one time that he has been dealing with a painful situation in his life. How many of you know saints in ages past did not have half the medical development things that we have, and people lived in a lot of pain and discomfort, people who loved Jesus. And he lived in a lot of pain with certain things that he was dealing with. And he said every morning he started his day with 30 minutes of meditating on the future of what it's going to be like with Jesus. And the meditation of what was ahead of him gave him grace to live with courage with the challenges that he was facing right now and to do so with a happy heart. And let me just say this in closing. I believe in healing. We will pray for healing right after the church service today. We believe in healing. We believe in the blessing of God. We believe in prosperity with purpose. We believe in in living the abundant life. John 10.10, I believe it. But listen to me. Every single person Jesus healed, their tent, eventually died. This is not home. And I'm just telling you, let's keep fighting for the fullness of what God has secured for us on the cross. But we do so confidently looking forward to what comes. And I'll tell you this, because I can see what comes as best as I can, I'm trying, if I can study one thing for the rest of my days on this earth, it would be meditating on the greatness of the glory that awaits me. Because I want to be ready. I don't want to be one of these people that dies going, oh, I hope, Lord, I hope everything's going to be better like you said. I want to see it. And I want to believe it. And I want it to be so capturing my heart that it fills me with passion and purpose for what I do tomorrow morning when I get out of bed. That it fills me with a sense of destiny so I make good choices now. That I make right choices now, that I don't take shortcuts now. Because in light of eternity, all that matters is what you did with this little teeny thing called life that God's given you right now. It's why you can keep loving when people do wrong things to you. It's why you can keep standing and and doing what's right when people around you don't do it. It's why you can keep having a passion for God when you look around a world that cares less about God. These are the things... They grip your heart and you say, I'm not home yet. I feel like I'm a stranger, God. I don't like it. I don't like what's going on around me. But you realize I'm just a camper. I'm just a camper. I'm not home yet. That gives me perspective to deal with it. It gives me perspective to shape the way I spend my life. How about you guys? 
Are you campers or are you digging a massive foundation for some place you're trying to create that's going to supposedly make you happy and comfortable and insulate you from all the problems of this world? Home sweet home. I'm just telling you, you'll never be able to create home sweet home this side of eternity. It does not exist. Home sweet home is coming. Home sweet home is on the horizon. Home sweet home is going to be here before we know it. And we better start living with that perspective right now. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to cut you loose. If you're going off to that training class, it's going to be very short. Uh, Andrew and Aaron are going to be meeting in the marriage classroom 103. Uh, it's going to be about a 20-minute meeting. Um, the other thing I need to mention, marriage class today after church at 4 o'clock. I encourage you to come out for that. Let's pray right now. Father, we thank you that the man who walked in the greatest faith, he's our hero of faith, he's the father of faith, Abraham, was somebody who saw himself very much as a misfit, as an outcast on planet earth. He was a, he was a son of your promise, but Lord, you had given him a vision to see far beyond his life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live with the same kind of faith. Lord, not faith just to make us comfortable, but faith to accomplish the things that you've called us to do. Faith, Lord, that would pack up our tent and go somewhere where we've never been before. Faith that stretches out and believes you, even though we can't see what the future looks like. Faith, Lord, that stands in the midst of of pain, maybe in our bodies or situations. We're believing you for healing, but maybe it hasn't manifested yet. And God, we're just going to keep moving ahead and keep setting our sights on on a future. It's far better than anything we can imagine right now. So, Lord, in the midst of all of our discomforts, in the midst of all of our uncertainties, in the midst of whatever pain and disappointment we've had to deal with, Lord, we lift our hands and we just worship you and we thank you that in a very short time, it's all going to be swallowed up in a future that's greater than we can conceive. Lord, open our eyes. Help us to understand the brevity of this life so that we don't spend our time like unsaved people. We don't spend our time like pagans trying to gather things, trying to build things, trying to do things that are simply not going to last. Lord, help us to build on things that are eternal. Help us to invest the best portions of our very short lives for you and for your glory. Jesus, we love you and we honor you and we give ourselves to you in a fresh way now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Hey, be a happy camper this week, all right? Be a happy camper. If you need prayer, come on down. If you don't know the Lord, we'd love to pray with you this morning. Come on down.